From the Bob Barley Studio in Orlando, Florida, you're listening to The Diz Unplugged. Hello and welcome to The Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion Email Edition for December 11th, 2008. From Orlando, Florida, I'm your host, Pete Werner. Joined this week by my good friends Kathy Whirling, Julie Martin, Corey Martin, Kevin Close, and John Magi, and in the Peanut Gallery, Teresa Eccles, Will Perry, and Walter Eccles. And uh, we are going to play your emails and voicemails as we always do. And uh, just uh, the usual spiel: if you'd like to send us an email, podcast at wdwinfo.com, or toll free in the United States, Canada, and Mexico eight seven seven three one zero nine six six two. Of course, if you'd like to record your own, we have a tutorial on our podcast main page, podcast.wdwinfo.com. And uh, that's uh, that's the spiel. We need your emails and voicemails, as many of them as, as we can. It's been a little slow lately. Uh, definitely picked up last week. It's the economy. It's the economy. <laughs> People can't afford to... Email us. Can't afford to send emails. I want to say uh, we get a lot of emails from people who say, well, I've emailed you and you've not read it. We're trying not to repeat information. So, you know, please don't be offended, but we've probably already answered your question. Um, Some of the questions we may not have the answers to, and we might be in the process of researching those. So I've got to be honest with you. The ones that I find the most difficult to answer are the ones where they ask, how can I make this special? I think we've covered every age bracket. Special for kids, special for teens, special for people getting married, special for senior citizens, special for people with mobility issues. I don't know how to make it more special. Well, you know what I think we're going to do, just to shake it up a bit. Next week, we're not going to do an email show. Next week, we're going to do a call-in. Oh, that's um, fun. We've got, the, uh, we've got the phone lines all fixed up. So I think next week, we'll do a call-in show. If you want to find out the details, you're going to have to go to podcast uh, the podcast discussion forum. Uh, at disboards.com. We'll post it there. Uh, we're not sure yet which day we're recording uh, next week. Uh, it's normally on Monday, uh, but we're not 100% sure yet. So we'll post it on the discussion boards, and we'll also post it on the podcast main page, as I mentioned before, podcast.wdwinfo.com. Get a chance to give us a call and talk to us live. And uh, it was fun last time. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. We had a lot of fun doing it last time, and uh, so yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that to break it up a little bit, and we got to get started doing more of those. We have spent all that money on the equipment; might as well use it. All right, our first voicemail today comes to us from Deneen, who has a question about Disney Cruise Line and diet for diabetics. And I figured this would be a good one for Kevin. So here is Deneen. Hi, Diz Unplugged gang. This is uh, Deneen. Uh, Deneen M. on the boards. Um, I have a couple of questions for you about cruising. Um, one is we have we have never cruised before. Um, we would like very much to take a Disney cruise. Um, one thing that stops us besides uh, saving money for it is uh, the fact that our seven-year-old son uh, has type 1 diabetes. And we have never left him in a he, – he rarely stays with babysitters outside of our family – um, let alone sort of a larger kids club kind of situation. And so I'm wondering, you know, how well they're set up to deal with things like that. Um, in his case, he would need someone reminding him that he needed to do his blood testing and, and um, you know, somebody knowing, 
in case there were an emergency, you know, some basic emergency procedures. Uh, he now luckily is um, older and can manage quite a lot by himself, but, you know, he just needs some adult supervision. So if we were to go on a Disney cruise, would I have to be running back and forth to do that, or is the kids' club set up to handle um, special situations like that? Um, my other question is from a um, going to the parks perspective. So since we're from California, if we went on a cruise, we wouldn't want to just fly out for, you know, a four-day cruise. We would want to incorporate visiting the park as well. And since you all have been on these cruises before, would you recommend um, going to the parks before or after the cruise? Um Again, we haven't done this before. I, I can see positives of doing either way, um, but I'm just wondering from your experience what's a better, what's a better way to do it. Um, thanks very much. I uh, really appreciate the opportunity to ask my question. Um, Kevin and John, I was so disappointed to hear on the chat that you were in Las Vegas. My husband and I were in Las Vegas Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I would have looked for you. We had dinner at Plagio Monday night, so I don't know if you were there then, but um, you never know where crazy Disney fans will stalk you. Anyway, I hope you had a really good uh, time seeing Bette Midler, and um, I'll see you next week on chat, hopefully. Bye-bye. Hi, Deneen. Deneen works for Apple, so she is wow. keep the, the, the Apple freaks in the room. So, yeah, can we get discounts? <laughs> <laughs> Got to talk to Deneen. Hi, Deneen. Um, Deneen, we, we crossed in Las Vegas. You left on Tuesday. We arrived on Tuesday. So we actually weren't across the street. We missed by a day. Uh, as for the cruise, yes, the Kids Club will handle that. The Kids Club handles just about almost any activity, any issue that comes up. The other thing is you're given a beeper. So if your son needs to get a hold of you or has questions, you can work that all out with the people who are there. They're terrific at what they do. Uh, I wouldn't worry about that at all. Secondly, uh, uh, this is going to be a personal thing. I think the parks are so hectic and so crowd or so busy. You're moving all the time. I say do the parks first and then take your cruise later, where you get to I relax. Agree with that. The only problem is, is once they tell you you actually have to get off the boat, your vacation is over, <laughs> and that's hard to do because you go from being really hectic to being pampered and having people do things like turn down your bed and leave chocolates on your pillow and bring you pretty much anything you want to getting on a plane and going home and having to get your own food. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's one way to look at it. Um, in my opinion, the best way would be most of your days at the park before and maybe one day at the park after kind of wind down as opposed to cutting you off cold turkey. That's just an opinion. And I can understand that if you're coming from all the way across the country, you wouldn't want to just do a four-day cruise. So that's kind of the short answer. But, yeah, don't worry about your son and being diabetic. They've handled this before. Deneen, I want to uh, elaborate on what Kevin just said. One of the things you want to do is I don't know uh, to what extent he has to take insulin and things like that. You're going to want to let whoever, however you book uh, – know if he's going to bring needles on the cruise and things like that. You may need special special medical clearance from your doctor. You also might need a refrigerator in your room. Right, to refrigerate the insulin. So those are the type of things, if you book directly with Disney or if you use a travel agent, make sure they know these things up front so they can have everything prepared ahead of time. I'm also going to suggest for you is to make sure you get travel insurance. Um, more so for the fact that if anything does happen on the cruise and you have to get to the, to the doctor or the nurse, that can be quite costly. So you want to make sure that you have something that's going to offset those costs. With the insurance that you purchase for travel and for cruise, 
Um, it's not like health insurance you might have at home. You're not going to pay a copay or not pay anything. The bill is going to show up on your room charge and then on your uh, room folio for your state room. And then you're going to have to go through your insurance company for reimbursement. But I think that if there's any chance that he might have to go see the doctor during your stay, insurance is going to really help you offset any of those expenses. One other thing to keep in mind is food is available to you 24 hours a day. And I know that's important to maintaining blood sugar. You really have access to food whenever and anytime you need it. So that's something else to keep in mind. Great. Well, thank you very much for that, Kevin. Who has an email they'd like to read? I do. This is from Madeline or Madeline because it's spelled a little differently. And let me, ju- let me just say that Mrs. Martin is looking particularly fetching today. <laughs> she is. Yeah, she's she is. She is absolutely beautiful. Well, she's always beautiful. But she's I have makeup on, guys. She's particularly <laughs> beautiful. No, but you got, that whole, you got that whole I'm having a baby glow going on. Oh, well, it's, it's five weeks away today. So. Oh, my. Wow. You're kidding. Close. Yeah, we're, you know, counting it down for the, sure. The Diz Unplugged bookies are taking bets at this point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know, right? Um, except for those people who are wanting him to come like December 14th. I'm like, uh, no, no, That's way too early. <laughs> I'd like him to be fully formed and ready to come out into the world. So but this is from Madeline in new Orleans. And she wants to know if there's a phone number or email address for the toy soldier shop in the UK at Epcot. Her kids saw something there that they wanted, but Epcot's the only retailer in the U S and Canada that has this item. And she's having a really hard time ordering on any of the foreign websites. So I called up, Kevin's secret number. <laughs> Don't tell people. I won't. And they were very helpful. She will need to call the mail order merchandise department at 407-363-6200. Now, they're only open Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 407-363-6200. Isn't that phone number magic? <laughs> it is. And he was so nice. <laughs> and he had it like that. <laughs> So I hope that helps you out and you get what you want. All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Julie. Who else? I have one. Hi, podcast crew. This is from Kate, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce her last name. It says, I've heard you talk about the PhotoPass CD several times, but I wanted to share a tip for those that aren't up to spending $100 for a CD of pictures. All of the PhotoPass photographers are happy to take a picture with your own camera, in addition to taking their own pictures. We did this during our trip at the end of October and ended up with a lot of great pictures on our camera, courtesy of the Disney photographers. In many cases, we felt that the quality of picture was better with our own camera, too. Um, and she just goes on to say that you know sometimes you might not get the, the special shot, but um, it's always nice to have the photographer use your camera. Um, you can also have a... Um, cast member just walking around take a picture um i've also been asked in the park i guess because i walk around with a a big camera if i would take people's pictures um i also want to mention because i see this a lot on the diz if you're in the park and you're taking photography is really important to me and that's I'm, i'm really organized when it comes to that kind of stuff but if you're in the park taking pictures Take more than one memory card. So if something happens to one, you don't have all your images on one memory card. Take them at a high resolution because I can't tell you how many people go, oh, my daughter met you know Mickey Mouse in a certain costume and we only have a small picture. And, and having a small picture and trying to make it big is tough. If you've got a big picture and you need to make it small, it's easy. Um, put your contact information on your memory card. That's another one. A lot of people go, oh, but I lost my memory card in the park. I always 
when I take a um, put a new memory card in, I have a little like three by five card that has my contact information on it, so that if it's ever lost, and I also write on the back of most of my memory cards my name and address, just little things if you're in the park because I I know I've read numbers of posts that people lost their pictures when they were at Disney, and you know you can't get your memories back. So, you know, let the photo pass people take a picture with your camera. I also know some people that were a little upset that they were afraid something was going to happen to their camera if they handed it to somebody else. You know, don't be. But Go run, also, people run away with it. Yeah, and also don't. I would still utilize PhotoPass. Don't think of it as you know using them. I don't know. I, I, sometimes I think people try to do that to save money, and I mean they're in the park to provide a service. It's free. Think. You know, I mean, it, it's it's free to to have them take your photo, and right. you can always decide later if you want to buy right. them or not. If you really want to save money, stand in other people's pictures. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, thank you very much, Kathy. Who else? I have one, Kevin, but I have to put on glasses to read it. This is from Kathy Stenson in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Kathy says, "Hello, everyone." I just wanted to let you know that I just returned from Disney World and now have had a chance to listen to your uh, December 13th discussion show where you reviewed the new quick service area at the Contemporary. Blech. I thought I would give you a December 13th, the November 13th. November no. 13th. Mike, she says December 3rd. I apologize. Dece- oh. That, oh, yeah, show. that was our, our December 3rd show. Never mind. All right. I thought I would give you another perspective and... That is the perspective of a diner at Chef Mickey's. We were at Chef Mickey's for the Thanksgiving dinner, and unfortunately, we were seated against the wall that adjoins the quick service area. During our entire meal, we had small children hanging over our table, talking and looking at the characters as they came to our table. These children were apparently patrons of the quick service area, and whose parents allowed them to balance on this wall to see the characters i can't say enough how annoying and distracting this was granted chef mickey's is not fine dining but we did pay a premium for a nice meal and for quality family time and interaction with characters and we were disappointed by the disruption of these children it's exactly what you said was going to happen exactly well they're sitting in you know the waiting area at cedar sinai and people <laughs> on the other side of the wall are having a good time Planning for this new restaurant uh, obviously didn't take into consideration that children on the other side of this wall would uh, attempt to balance on it to see characters. Hopefully, they figure this out and raise the wall. (laughs) That's my favorite part. They're going to build a higher wall. (laughs) With barbed wire. Really. (laughs) They're going to give stun guns. (laughs) Berlin circa 1940. (laughs) They're going to give stun guns to the people who sit against the wall. (laughs) Mickey, take down this wall. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Gipper. (laughs) Hopefully they raise the wall so that uh, diners at Chef Mickey's are not disturbed and before a small child comes toppling over into a plate of prime rib and Parmesan mashed potatoes. I thought that was funny. <laughs> thanks for all. Th- thanks you for all you do for your listeners. I look forward to your weekly banter. Thanks, Kathy. That was funny. I agree. I- I'm sorry. They've made a nondescript, sad little dining area. I- actually, someone went and took pictures of it just to show. How- they've posted them on the Diz Unplugged board already. Just how bleak it is. And what I thought was really funny was he described the lighting as the same lighting they use for. Uh, Road work at road night. construction. 
So it's not only bleak, now they've got it lit like they are performing surgery. But, I mean, what's wrong with the parents, too? I mean, right. my kids were small and might have fussed around in their seats, but I sure wouldn't let them, you know, be hanging over the wall. I apologize. I don't usually do this. Can I do two? It has to do with the same subject. Sure. Okay. I think I put my glasses back on. This is from Sandy in Love the Ca- Oh, Sandy is Love the Castle. She's not in Love the Castle. She's in Huntington Station, New York. After listening to Kevin's review of the quick service restaurant in the Contemporary, I was wondering why or what the what they put in place of the old quick service arcade on the lower floor. We ate there several years ago and loved the location because after our kids were done eating, they could go into the arcade while we finished up. One thing I wanted to say was that if ordering screens are the same at Captain Cook's quick service location, then I really like them. Putting our order on the touch screen was fun and B, easy, as it eliminates dealing with a human. <laughs> I w- at Disney. I was surprised Kevin didn't like them. Thank you, Sandy. Um, Sandy, they put the wave downstairs. The wave is in the location of what used to be the Food and Fun Center. The arcade is on the fourth floor also. It wasn't the touch screen. I mean, we have a BP gas station near our house, and if you want a breakfast bagel, you have to touch the screen. Because the woman behind the counter apparently can't take an order you have to touch it i imagine that's for tracking and things like that it wasn't that part that i didn't like the part i didn't like was that there are no posted prices posted anywhere the only way you can figure out how much things cost is to go to the touch screen and if you go to the touch screen and want the turkey sandwich and it's eleven dollars and you don't think eleven dollars is or is the right price for a turkey sandwich you either have to maneuver through that entire touchscreen menu with hitting back to figure out what they have, or you have to go back to the menu board where they list all the entrees. So it's not that I the technology that bothers me. It's the fact that they haven't meshed the technology with the fact that people want to know what they're paying before they start ordering. Right. So I think it's just poorly planned. I don't think it's the machine that's the problem, though. Cool. Well, thank you very much for that, Kevin. Our next voicemail comes to us from a listener who has some questions about the 4th of July. I figure since uh, most of our listeners are probably in, like, the frigid tundra right now. And actually, it's a little chilly here. It's, you know, like, I think it's like in the 60s. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Time for the fur. Yeah, really. Pull the homeless in. Um, So I figured a little summertime question wouldn't hurt, so. Hi, this is Jared John Four on the boards. I'm relatively new to the disc boards, but I've been a regular reader of the rad news groups for years, reading trip reports and updates. Since discovering your outstanding resource, I've downloaded and listened to most of the archives and searched the message boards for any info I might need about my upcoming trip. We usually go about every three years and camp at Fort Wilderness. Our last trip was the summer of 06 with a flight to California and Disneyland for a week, then a couple days off to do laundry. Then we drove to Fort Wilderness for a week. This time we're skipping the California park, but we have two weeks booked in the campgrounds. For this trip, my kids will be aged 9 and 11. This time we will be arriving on July 29th. Yes, we know it'll be hot, rain every day, and the parks will be very crowded at times. We plan our days and schedules accordingly, and we haven't had a problem in the past. We just expect a slower pace and work around it. Since we are coming up on the 180-day mark for dining reservations, we're looking for a little help from the experts. 
Usually we don't arrive until after the 4th of July, but this time we're going to be there for the celebration. On one of the podcasts and in the boards, it mentioned that the Magic Kingdom might be full by 10 a.m. to see the fireworks on the 4th of July. So we're thinking about hitting up one of the other parks with an evening dining reservation and then watch the fireworks from that park. Are the fireworks extra special on the 4th of July in all the parks? And are they filled to capacity by mid-afternoon on the 4th? With two weeks at the parks... We will see our share of fireworks, so would we be just better off to watch the fireworks from a beach somewhere that night? Any light you could shed on the subject would be greatly appreciated. From your other great reviews, this trip we also plan on hitting up Blue Man Group, House of Blues Gospel Brunch, and one you haven't talked about, Swimming with the Manatees. Thanks for all your great help and resources. Where do you swim with the manatees? Blue Spring State Park. But I don't think the manatees are going to be in Blue Spring in July. The manatees come to Florida and see where you can mm-hmm. swim with them in the winter when it's cold the as winter. they venture further north. Walter's nodding his head yes. So, uh, Walter agrees with me. Yeah. Um, and I don't think there's any park where you can swim with manatees. Mm-mm. They're no. a protected species. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. The only place I know you can do it legally is to do it at Blue Spring State Park, and they're not going to be there in, in July. I saw them there on the news the other night. Well, that's because it's getting yeah. cold. So it's, what they're they doing were swimming is swimming towards the warm water, right? And also for clar- uh, clarification, he said he was coming July 29th. I think he meant June 29th. Right. Um, yeah, for the Fourth of July, it is not unusual for the Magic Kingdom uh, to uh, close due to capacity earlier in the day. Um, and as a as a Disney resort guest, whether it's Fort Wilderness or anywhere else, as a Disney resort guest, you are guaranteed admission to a theme park on that day. Um, doesn't guarantee you what theme park. It's not may not necessarily be the one you want to get into, but you are guaranteed admission. Uh, are the Fourth of July fireworks special to Magic Kingdom? Yes, Epcot um, is awesome. Epcot as well. Downtown um, Disney. Uh, I, I don't know that they do anything special at Animal Kingdom or at, at Hollywood Studios on the 4th of July for fireworks other than uh, the normal. I don't think they shoot no. fireworks off over the uh, Animal Kingdom. No, Animal Kingdom. Animal Kingdom. Can you imagine no, the they have, they have. They have. I mean, they don't do it on a regular basis, but they have done it for special events. Oh, really? They um, do holiday fireworks at um, Hollywood Studios, too. So, I, but I, I'll tell you that the fireworks at the Magic Kingdom for the 4th of July are pretty spectacular. Um, it's done at 180 degrees usually, um, and especially if you're standing on Main Street watching those fireworks. Yeah, granted, it's going to be crowded, but they're pretty spectacular. And, and again, this is also assuming, you know, there's been a lot of cutbacks. Right. We've, we've been talking about it on the show. There's been a lot of cutbacks happening already. We don't know what kind of cutbacks we're going to see with special events like that uh, this coming year few cast members with sparklers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, bang, bang, bang. <laughs> <laughs> if, uh, if it were me, if you're going to be here for two weeks on 4th of July, I would plan to be, visit another park during the day, one that won't be as crowded at the mag- as the Magic Kingdom, and plan on getting hot dogs at Captain Cook's and going out and sitting on the Poly Beach and watching the fireworks. Yeah. My suggestion, I had two suggestions. Either go to Epcot and do Chefs de France for that night or try to get a reservation at Narcoosie's and then watch the fireworks from the beach or from the balcony over there. That's going to be a coveted reservation, and he has a 7- and 11-year-old. 
Nine and eleven. Nine and eleven. Excuse me. I'm sure they'll take the nine and eleven year old for payment. <laughs> <laughs> I, if you want my opinion, stay out of the Magic Kingdom on Fourth of July, but don't miss the fireworks. But you can see them from the Poly Beach or the Grand Floridian Beach. Yeah. Are they staying at the Fort Williams Campground? Can yeah. they see them from that beach? Uh, you know something? I've been to the beach a couple of times. I don't know if you can see, and the Magic Kingdom fireworks. The Poly Beach is like directly across yeah. from the Magic Kingdom, so you would get the effect of it. I th- I'm sure you'd see some of them. You can see it from the um, beach at Wilderness Lodge, but I don't know if you could go run to Fort Wilderness if you're going to see it there. But Wilderness Lodge, you can see quite a few fireworks. Get your hot dogs and go out and sit on the beach. <laughs> that's, a, that's one option. So I hope that answers your question. Thanks very much for uh, sending in your voicemail. And uh, if you guys listen, you could tell the difference in the quality between that voicemail and the one that gets called in. Uh, that's uh, when you record them, record them yourself. That's what it sounds like. Could it? we hear his heart beating? <laughs> I felt like I could hear his heart beating when he was talking. Oh, I thought you were going to break out into a song. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, and uh, if you're interested in doing that, like as I've, as I've mentioned, we have a great tutorial on our podcast main page, podcast.wdwinfo.com. That tells you step-by-step exactly how to go about recording your own voicemail and sending it in. Uh, They sound so much better, and it's so much easier for us uh, that way. So just keep that in mind. Who has another email they'd like to read? I have one. Um, This comes from Kathy in Colorado, Kathy1327 on the boards. Um, I have a couple of questions about water parks. Is she part of the Borg? (laughs) <laughs> Kathy1327 It's her designation It's her designation There's probably a lot of Kathys on there People just add start adding numbers behind their name We do have a lot of Kathys Kathys and Kims Yeah Yeah We're lousy with Kims They're everywhere <laughs> And she said The problem is that her boyfriend cannot swim at all Are there any rides or attractions at either of the water parks That will be too deep for an adult to go on If so Is there enough at either water park Or both um, That would be worth going on my other question is about the shark reef. Do they have life jackets or fins available to use um, for this? My boyfriend and I think this would be a neat experience, but again, he is unable to swim and would require a life jacket. How does the shark reef work? I can imagine this would be a popular attraction. Do they, have, uh, do they time people for how long you can get to swim around, or if so, for how long? Um, first, about the uh, not being able to swim. A lot of these catch pools at both of the water parks are anywhere from three and a half to four and a half feet deep. So as long as he knows once you hit the bottom of that catch pool to stand up, he'll be fine. I would stay away from the wave pools. They can get deep. Um, the shark reef is ten and a half feet deep. But they and should- of course, if you're mad at him, just keep all this information from him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> call us when you're going to throw him in the shark tank. Yeah. <laughs> they do require you to wear a life vest in there. They give you. One yeah, they right? do. However. You have to be able to swim you because to you're swim. not allowed to stop. Right. You keep moving. He needs to be able to move himself through the water. Right. Yeah, there are lifeguards in the in the shark reef that'll help you. They have a tube, and they've helped. Uh, I've helped people just go all the way across. But you you do have to swim, or at least kick your feet. And it's you start on one end, and you just have to swim to the other. You can't stop and just kind of play around in there it is a, a one-way trip they ask you not to move your arms like out in front of you keep them by your sides and just kick your feet so you don't hit anyone else that's next to you or block their view yeah there are live sharks they're mainly bottom dwellers so they're not going to come up and get you there's tropical fish in there 
this uh, this water in the shark reef is very cold. It is not heated. It's freezing cold. Um, they provide snorkel, a mask, a life vest. Um, after you pick that up, you'll go and you'll sit on this little ledge. They'll explain to you, give you instructions, and then you're off. And it's doesn't last that long. No. I couldn't make that snorkel thing work. <laughs> I don't like the snorkel. I just use the mask. I just couldn't make it work. I feel like I can't breathe. Mm. Yeah. I just couldn't coordinate all that. I would say it takes less than five minutes to swim through there. It's not. It's yeah, not, it's not long, long at all. all. And the water is so cold that you probably won't do it again. Yeah. But it is a neat experience. But um, going back to not being able to swim, life jackets are free at the water park. So just... And they make them at all, for all sizes. Oh, come on. Let's watch them flail around. <laughs> that way, sit re- it's one way to learn. Repeat the wave pool information. Yeah. That can get scary. Oh, it can. Yeah. And even though if the waves aren't going at the time you're in there and he, he goes all the way to where he's up to his neck and those waves start, it's going to be over his head. Yeah. yeah. So stay away from that area. There's also a spot at Blizzard Beach around the, um, the teen area. But there is a flume slide that adults can go on. And that goes into eight and a half feet of water. And most adults don't even realize that. Oh, so look just, at that! Yeah. Look at that slide! I want to go on it, and then, there they are sinking to the bottom like a brick. <laughs> <laughs> that's where mo- the most rescues happen over there. Really? Yeah. Well, that's but, good to know. Yeah. Cool. He'll be fine. Just make sure he stands up. I can't tell you how many times uh, people would come down these slides, and you see him like waving their arms like they're about to drown. And I'm like, stand up! <laughs> you can stand. It's, it's like, three and a half feet. It's up to my knees. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so he'll be cool. It's gotta be embarrassing when they do that. <laughs> Maybe that's what we'll do this summer. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you very much for that, Corey. All right, our next voicemail comes to us from our good friend Lisa in Vancouver, who uh, just has a comment about Southwest Airlines because we were talking about them not too long ago. So here's Lisa. Oh, hi. This is uh, Lisa from Vancouver, and my uh, voicemail is a follow-up to the discussion on the November twenty-sixth podcast where Southwest Airlines came up and um, Pete was mentioning that they're great with customer service and that they have not tried to nickel and dime their customers to death. And I wanted to um, tell you about an experience I had. I was recently on a Southwest flight from Sacramento to Portland and for the first time ever, the pilot on the plane was a very gracious woman that actually stepped outside the cabin before we took off, um, took the microphone that the flight attendants normally use, stood front and center where everyone could see her, and basically thanked everyone on board for their business. She said that their livelihood depended on passengers like us and um, wished us well and thanked us again for our business. And I was actually shocked and very touched. I've never had a pilot do that. I mean, they've been in the cockpit and they've, you know, given, you know, given you a weather update blah, 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 but I've never actually had a pilot stand up in front like that and thank their passengers. So anyway, I just wanted to pass that along and wish everybody happy holidays. Thank you. Bye. Well, thank you for that, Lisa. I wanted to include that because, uh, I mean, we don't have any arrangement with Southwest or anything or any relationship with Southwest, but uh, given the number of crappy, nasty airlines that are out there, I think when you have one that goes out of their way to do stuff like that and some of the things we've talked about on the show about the kind of customer service that they give, I think, you know, as, as, as quickly as we'll criticize, we have to point out the ones that are doing it right, too. And, I've uh, never just, had anything but good luck with them. We hear a lot of – I mean, I'm sure there are people out there that have had, a, you know, negative experiences. It's going to happen with any company. 
but uh, it's absolutely, uh, you know, the vast majority of what I hear about Southwest is so good. My personal experiences have been good. Kevin certainly, as he just said, his experiences have been good. So, um, and, the, and, and their prices, they keep their prices reasonable. It's not like they're, you know, charging a premium price for this type of service. It's actually, in a lot of cases, less expensive than some of these crap airlines are. And they make discount finding easy, easy. with Ding. Yep. I think every flight we've ever been on, they've thanked us. Someone gets up and says, thank you. We, we know you have it. choices when you travel. Right. I think I can, you know, they, they always say, we know you have choices when you travel, and thank you for choosing Southwest. I've never had the pilot come out and do it. See, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And it's a, we, a woman pilot. I don't know if I've ever seen one of them either. I think that's kind of cool, too. I've, no, I've seen quite some, a few. I've seen yeah. some female pilots. Have there. you? That's yeah. awesome. Hi, Lisa. <laughs> Lisa is Calypso a go-go on the boards. I think she also works for a one nine hundred number. Does she? She's very sexy. Yeah, I like her voice. She's got she that sultry great, voice. Yeah, she does. She's going to give Teresa a run for her money. <laughs> I think her and Teresa should do a show together. <laughs> Babes gone wild. No, they could be that SNL skit together. I'm not taking my shirt off. Oh, with Mr. Schwetty. <laughs> yes, with Mr. Schwetty. I'm not going to say anymore. <laughs> Let it go. I love that. Oh, oh too much. Too much. All right. Who else has an email they'd like to read? I do. Johnny. Mine is from Libby in Iowa. Libby writes, hey, all. My husband and I are headed to Florida in February. We're having trouble figuring out what to do in the evenings. I'm going to stop right there. (laughs) Don't spend your money on a vacation. Get a marriage counselor. We've been to Disney World in February before, and we're used to the reduced park hours in the evenings, but we're not used to having Pleasure Island Island closed. Do you have any ideas for activities for fun things to do at night? We'll do at least one night at City Walk and try to make late dinner reservations. Do you have any other great suggestions that don't cost a lot of money? We are legal adults Mm. with a car, and we like to have a few cocktails before going to bed on vacation. So, in other words, they like to drink themselves into a stupor. <laughs> Pretty much. That's what they want. What to else do. is it to do in Iowa? <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I really? was just being funny. They're going to write to you. The Iowa Knights are going to write to you. Yeah, there are, there, are, there are AA meetings in downtown. Well, I, I think we all know about the boardwalk. The boardwalk is a great place to oh, go yeah, at night. Boardwalk, definitely. There's that do really we? popular piano guy at Port Orleans Riverside and something, Bob, Bob something. Piano Boy Bob or something. Bob or I forget what his name Yeehaw. is. Yeehaw. Yeehaw, Yeehaw Bob. Bob. Yep. That's free. Mm-hmm. The cocktails aren't. And it's in the bar, so you can drink and watch them. I think you need a few drinks to watch them. <laughs> <laughs> Downtown Disney is fun. The West Side is fun. If there's a concert at House of Blues mm-hmm. if you, that you wanted to go see, House of Blues has a great bar, the Voodoo Bar, that you don't have to be going to the concert to go to. Also, I was thinking Gaylord Palms since they have a car. It's a great place to just go walk around. Um, they have huge pina coladas that Corey's mother loves oh, at really? Sunset Sam's. Yes. That's right. At the live show, she kept trying to talk someone into going to get her one. Oh, you yeah. didn't see? They came back. They had them in little plastic cups. That explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to kill me. <laughs> Are we out? <laughs> Um, I don't. We don't go out at night. There's a movie theater at Downtown Disney. Yeah, um, um, I drank in the house. (laughs) (laughs) You were a good drunk. (laughs) I'd say any of the other resorts. You know, just go and scope out their the bar they have there. 
Make the sure Grand, it's a deluxe. Or something. Yeah. The Grand Floridian has a... Um, Earl yeah. Dead and the Geriatrics play up in the uh, balcony uh, there <laughs> at the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they do. At the Grand. You can always do that. At the Polynesian... With about six or seven drinks, they start sounding interesting. <laughs> you start thinking at, they're like Jimi Hendrix. At the Polynesian, they have entertainment. Outside in the Tambu Lounge, they yeah. have... They have that drag queen. That's a good people-watching <laughs> spot. <laughs> She's inside. I don't know if she works there anymore. Um, they Kiss ever- the lips. <laughs> 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 she was funny. <laughs> what was her name? Samoa? Uh, I don't... Lapoa. Lapoa. God, she was funny. I thought it was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> they have a person. They, it's Don Ho. I don't know what his name is. He sits outside <laughs> and he plays the guitar and he sings. That's it. I'm done. Okay. February is kind of tough because a lot of the outside stuff you might run into is usually in the summer. Like you see outside entertainment and things like that. But I, I think you'll be able to find a place to go get sloshed pretty much anywhere. <laughs> I don't know if they're into beer. What's the the Irish place? Raglan Road. Yes. Oh, and they have. Oh yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a fun place. Mm-hmm. They have like river dancing. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> John's favorite. Which is after about three minutes, you want to kill people. <laughs> <laughs> and there's the big city, big river, big grill, river, yeah. And jelly rolls. They have the dueling pianos. Mm-hmm. And the ESPN Cafe. They have sports. I really am out on it. You're really, really, really reaching. You can go watch the magic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. You can see a basketball game. I think those seats are two for one. Because those are the only things people think about when they come to Orlando is Disney yeah. and the Orlando Magic. Basketball and ballet. <laughs> you know, there's malls. Oh, Lord. I have no idea if we answered Libby's question or not. But Libby's never written fun. to us again. I think we, we helped her a little bit. I thought it was funny. She couldn't figure out what to do at night. <laughs> <laughs> Need a marriage counselor. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Kevin. Anybody else? I've got a short one. Yeah. It's from Mary Manns from Groton, Connecticut. It says, I thought I heard someplace, but if someone is staying at the Swan and Dolphin, they aren't able to use the dining plan. That's correct. They're they're not able to participate in the dining plan. That's right. right? You're yep. shunned. Swan and Dolphin are on Disney property, but they are not Disney owned. Correct. And that's true of the uh, um, Hotel Plaza Boulevard hotels Correct. as well. They have different packages you can book for those hotels, but you cannot participate in that. Done? I guess we answered that one. Okay. She said it was short. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have one. I have one from Mitchell Powell. Hey, podcast podcast crew it's mitch from pa my family and i usually get down to the world once or twice a year we are also avid pin collectors i've written to the diz but never got on the show i thought it would be the coolest thing if you could read my email i'm reading your email (laughs) i was wondering if you guys collect pins too now my birthday is july 9th if i was down at the world would i get a standard admission park ticket or would i be able to get fast passes uh, also, are you only admitted into one park for the whole day, or can you park cop? Uh, I'm going to stop there. Mitch wrote more, but I want to answer his question. He's talking about next year's uh, promotion for Disney, the What Will You Celebrate promotion. And on your birthday, you can get a one-day park pass. This is going to be a one-day, one-park pass. 
Um, it will work like other passes. You will be able to get a fast pass with it at the regular attractions based on the regular rules of getting a fast pass. Um, if you have a multi-day ticket or an annual pass, other options are available to you, um, one of which is getting a one-day pass for a future date within the year that only you can use. Another option is to get a fast pass good for up to five people in your party. Yeah, I think yes. that's, that's correct. Five yeah. people in your party for the day. And then the other option is a $75 merchandise voucher. But it sounds like Mitch wants to use the park pass. And that's for specific merchandise. They haven't told us what it is yet, but it doesn't mean you're just going to go on a shopping spree. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling you're going to get specific merchandise. These things on this table right, right here. The yeah. benefit collection. The stuff marked 2008. Yeah. And I don't know why they're doing that. Why it can't just be a gift card? This has been a conversation we have all the time. Is why are they making this so hard to? Because they're not happy. They're not going to give you something without making it so convoluted and complicated that you just throw your hands up and walk away. And that's what they're hoping you do. I'm not celebrating anymore. <laughs> no. They're going to celebrate the fact that anybody's showing up. Really? I mean, come on. Answer the pins question. Uh, Kevin, I used to pin trade and we used to pin collect and we've got a whole closet full of pins that I don't think we've looked at in years, but not anymore. My daughter has a a closet full of pins and I was her enabler. I stood in many (laughs) lines when they released pins to get them for her, but I don't think we've looked at them in a long time either. It's a fun hobby. It can be very time consuming, can be very costly. So um, I'll give you a piece of advice. Just collect what you like. Don't be one of these people who think something's going to be worth money on eBay or yeah, exactly. not going to make a living at it. Exactly. Just go and find something you like and stick with that. If you stick with, say, a character or a ride or a theme park, then you'll have a better chance of you know, getting the things you want to get. But don't go crazy with it. And I also want to finish up. Um, he goes, what are your guys' favorite rides? And do you have any tips to speed up the weights in line? Uh, one of the best ways to speed up those weights in line is to just Talk to the people around you. Start up a conversation. And, and you do was, that? And then when they're distracted. <laughs> this is for other people. And then when, they're, <laughs> then when they're distracted, cut in front of them. Exactly. John gets in line and pretends he's in a coma. <laughs> I've gotten spontaneously deaf <laughs> when I get in line at Disney. What's your favorite ride? Uh, Big Thunder Mountain. Uh, not Big Thunder Mountain. Uh, Splash Mountain. It's always been my favorite ride. I like the thrill uh, attractions like Summit Plummet and Rock and Roller Coaster. I like Toy Story Mania, too. You don't have a favorite ride, Kevin? Yes, but I'm waiting. Oh. <laughs> he wants to pick something that nobody else says. Um, mine is a tie between Splash Mountain and Toy Story Mania. Oh, I'm going to go for the lame ones, but they're my favorites. Soarin' um, is my current favorite, but Journey into Imagination was my all-time favorite. Uh, Pirates and Soarin'. My favorite ride is the monorail ride from the Ticket and Transportation Center to Epcot. I knew he was going to say that. Did you? <laughs> I did. What about Peanut Gallery? My favorite ride is when you leave the park at night. <laughs> you drive it home. Stop it. The Osceola Parkway. <laughs> Transit Authority. Teresa loves the, the uh, Transit Authority. One of my favorites, too. That one we did last night. In the big golf ball thing. What is that? Spaceship Earth. Okay, Spaceship Earth. Like okay, take her pass away. <laughs> <laughs> that was her first time on that. It doesn't Twice matter. Soren. Yeah, Walter says Soren. William? Those cars you drive in Magic Kingdom. Yeah. Well, give him a microphone. I, I, the Richard Petty 
I would say, but that's not really a ride, you know. But uh, the Indy Speedway. <laughs> You're going a mile and a half an hour. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, and talking about being in weight, at least it's soaring now. They have that thing on the wall that you can interact. But then that seems sort of weird watching all the people jumping up and down and like throwing their arms up in the air, batting the balls around. Have you been there? I haven't seen that, that yet. Yeah. Are you sure you were in line for Soren? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's only like when it's like busy, but they've got like four panels. You know, the panels yeah, on got, the wall. Yeah, they've got these interactive games. I say I never go through that line. I always get a fast pass yeah. and go through there. But yeah, what they've done is they've added these interactive games in the queue for Soren now uh, to help keep people occupied because those lines always get so ridiculously long. And you want to kill Patrick Warburton by the time you get there. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I love Patrick Warburton. Ticket tra- or the Tomorrowland Transit Authority never has a line on it either. Oh, I love it. You just walk on. So leisure. And the paging is tomorrow. Gets me every tomorrow. Oh, too much. I'm simple. <laughs> <laughs> There's a drop in for you. <laughs> All right. To wrap up our show, we have a great, uh, a great review that was sent in to us by Pat in California of the walk, walk in Walt's Footsteps tour at Disneyland and uh, this runs for about 15 minutes and wanted to play it in its entirety so we figured we'd close the show with it and uh, so uh, we're going to say we're going to say our goodbyes now and I hope you enjoyed our show and we'll be back with you again next week with another edition of the Diz Unplugged Roundtable and taking us out this week is our friend Pat with his review of the Walk in Walt's Footsteps Walk in Walt's Footsteps tour Try, try saying that 10 times fast Hi, podcast crew. This is Pat from Northern California with a review of the Walk in Waltz Footsteps Tour at Disneyland in California. Um, Took this tour recently with a friend of mine, and uh, we uh, started off at the uh, tour guide reception area, um, which is just inside the uh, gates on the left side just after you go through the tunnel, right next to the uh, city hall, and a nice little... uh, courtyard area right there and uh, so we went in checked in and uh, they gave us our little passes and uh, took our orders for lunch and everything and we just hung out there for a little bit until our tour started our tour started and I should say that I'm terrible with names so I can't remember the uh, nice young lady's name who gave the tour but uh, she did a wonderful job but anyway we started with the tour at town square we went over into the firehouse and she talked about uh, the fire pole and Walt's apartment upstairs, pointed out to us where the uh, patio is upstairs above the uh, firehouse there, or just actually just to the side of the firehouse, but up on the, upper, on the second deck, the patio. Of course, we weren't allowed to go up there because, well, it's not allowed. So anyway, we walked around Town Square. We looked at the uh, train station and the model train sitting in there in the front vestibule there. We uh, looked at the plaque at the base of the flagpole, and she talked a lot about different stuff having to do with Town Square and resemblance to kind of Walt wanting it to be like Marceline, what kind of reminded him of that. Um, We started hearing some of the many different uh, little audio clips from Walt played through our ears and our headphones that we were wearing, which I'll go into later. Um, Then we started walking up... uh, Main Street, she was telling us some little behind-the-scenes things about this, that, and the other. I'm not going to go into details because, of course, I want you to take the tour so you can hear it for yourself. It's much more fascinating when the tour guide tells it, I assure you. 
Um, anyway, so we got uh, all the way up Main Street. Oh, and she did point out to us there's something on Main Street. Um, once again, I'm not going to tell you because I'm a big tease. You're going to have to take the tour and find out yourself. But there is an actual design flaw on Main Street, unlike other design flaws that made it through uh, the design process. This was actually, Walt knew about it on opening day, allowed it to continue, and it has never been fixed. Um, it's one of the only major design flaws sort of thing. I wouldn't say it's a major design flaw. It's a design flaw that uh, was allowed to exist on opening day and to persist it was never fixed after the opening day uh, hoopla and whatnot. So that was kind of an interesting thing. I'd never heard about this before. So anyway, so we walked up uh, Main Street and to the hub. And then we headed over to the Jungle Cruise. Once again, terrible with names. Can't remember our skipper's name. But this delightful young lady who was incredibly animated. I mean, she totally inhabited the role of the skipper. She just... she. She fed that part hook, line, and sinker to us. It was great. It all the usual jokes, you know. Well, most of them, obviously. There's certain jokes that, uh, that uh, you know, you say some that you don't, depending on what time of day it is and the type of crowd you have on board. Uh, she, but she did a marvelous job. It really it was literally one of the best, if not the best, uh, Jungle Cruises I've ever been on. She was just so wonderful. Um, so we got off the Jungle Cruise. And then we headed over into Frontierland and looked at the uh, petrified piece of wood there, petrified tree, and got the backstory on that. More stories about, you know, the, the rivers of America and Tom Sawyer Island and all that other fun stuff. Then we proceeded over to Club 33. And unfortunately, we only got to go into the lobby, but that's the first step. First step to getting to lunch at Club 33 was getting in the door. So I've gotten in the door. I'm working towards actually having lunch up there someday. I'm hoping, but anyway, we did the went into the lobby there at Club 33. It was very nice, very small but very nice. Uh, we got the backstory on the elevator that's there, and um, got to take pictures inside the lobby, standing in the elevator and stuff like that. So that was kind of cool. Um, after the Club 33, we tootled around other parts of New Orleans Square and uh, looked at different things. She pointed out different items of notability, um, the uh, this, that, and the other. I'm not going to go, like I said, I'm not going to go into too many details because I think people should really take the tour themselves to really enjoy it. Um, after that, we went up to the train station and we got on the train that was coming and it just so happened that that train was the train with the caboose. So she talked to one of the conductors, and since there was nobody in the caboose, we were able to uh, jump back and ride from uh, New Orleans Square around to the Toontown Station, uh, Toontown slash Fantasyland, and uh, in the caboose, which was way, way cool. Personally, I would like to stay in the car a little, maybe rode it around the park and then back to Toontown, but that wasn't part of the tour. So we got off in Toontown, and we didn't actually go into Toontown, but we did talk about both the... Uh, princess area there and walked past and talked about small world which was of course closed not open yet so but we talked about that then we went over into fantasy land where we talked about the carousel she pointed out the julie andrews horse on the carousel which somehow conveniently stopped right in front of where she was talking i don't know if it i don't think it stops at the same place every time so i think it was just some brilliant timing on her part but uh, we talked about a few other things, walked through the castle, heading out the front of the castle for some great 
um, picture opportunities. She also uh, pointed out to us the uh, fact that the clock over the um, as you're walking as you're walking out of the castle, there's a clock hanging in the archway there, and the clock has a particular time on it. It's a fixed time. It was a trivia question as to do you know why it's that time. And another trivia question was, uh, how many times has the drawbridge actually operated? Um, I knew the answer to that one. I didn't know the thing about the clock, but I knew the answer to the drawbridge. So that was kind of fun. Well, she also did talk about the um, new Sleeping Beauty walkthrough, or the reimagined Sleeping Beauty walkthrough, where they're going to fix it all up and everything. She said she'd seen some of the drawings and stuff, and she said it looked like it was going to be really wonderful. And uh, she couldn't wait to actually see it built and everything. And I'm like going, yeah, me too. But uh, anyway, so we continued on with our tour. After the uh, castle, we headed down to the Tiki Room, and we went to see the show, the Tiki Show. The train, uh, the Jungle Cruise, and the Tiki Show were the three show attractions that we were were part of our tour. Um, we w- sat in on the Tiki Show. It was this normal Tiki Room show with the birds. Um, yes, it is the original, not the under new management. Yay for our coast. We rock. Anywho, um, it was a lot of fun, you know, listening to it again, as you, as one always has to go see the Tiki Room. Um, afterwards, however, as the crowd left, we kind of just sat together in a group and waited until they all left. And then the uh, cast member who was working the ride, uh, who I guess had been there for quite some time, she came out, did a little talk about the Tiki Room and the history of it and the fact that it's the only attraction in Disneyland that actually bears Walt's name. It's the Walt Disney Presents the Enchanted Tiki Room. Um, it's the only one that not only ride or attraction in the park that has his name on it, which I thought was interesting. And then while she was telling us about that, our guide came out with white gloves on, holding, apparently, according to her, one of the original flowers from the Tiki Room for one of the boats up in the air. And she showed it to us, and it was something very fragile, very delicate. Um, you know, obviously it's a, you know, a, a uh, I wouldn't even call it a collector's item, it's a, a you know, one-of-a-kind item. Um, no, you will not be able to find this one on eBay. Um, but uh, she showed it to us and, and allowed us, she turned it around backwards and allowed us to actually operate it. And we put our finger in there and pushed down on the lever, that act, the actual actuator that made the, uh, made the uh, pedals move. So that was, that was kind of really cool. Then after the Tiki Room, we went back down Main Street. She pointing out some more of the windows and other uh, notable information about Main Street and, uh, you know, the, discussing the forced perspective aspects of the way Main Street is designed in California as opposed to the way Florida is designed and everything. And we capped off our tour with lunch. Uh, we got back to the tour uh, guide area. Uh, right next to City Hall. They have a little patio there, and they had a little table set aside, and they had our box lunches out there for us with our drink, with a little name tag sitting on top of our lunch. So we sat down and had our lovely lunch, a nice, quiet little patio area there. While we were eating, chit-chatting amongst each other, with each other, uh, our guide came around with uh, some old magazines from the uh, 50s and 60s, showing us some pictures of the opening of the park, and you know, the early days of the park and talking, you know, showing some images of some of the stuff we talked about on the tour, which was very neat. And then uh, we also got our pin, our lovely collectible pin, which uh, will never go on a lanyard because I ain't trading it for nothing for nobody. That's mine, 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 mine. Um, And then that was pretty much the end of the tour. All in all, I would say the tour was well worth the money. I mean, 
it's you know it's only I think it's only like fifty six dollars, and then if you're an annual pass member or you have a AAA card, I guess there's a twenty percent discount or something, which you know I qualified for. So all the better for me. Um, and uh, my only suggestion is if you do have somebody who is an annual pass holder or a, a AAA member who can get the discount, have that person buy all the tickets because then they can buy them at the discount as opposed to buying them separately or whatnot. Um, I would also suggest for the Disneyland tour, the morning tour is probably the better of the two tours. The uh, gentleman at the res- reservation center that I talked to suggested that the morning tour was the better uh, tour um, simply because the rides aren't as busy, so you can get in and out of the rides quicker and you can do more stuff because the par- park's not quite that crowded. It literally, st- the tour started at 9.30, the park opened at 9, so... It was just uh, not long after rope drop before we started uh, started the tour. Um, my only real complaint about the tour was the headset system. Um, it's a very cool system in that as you're walking throughout the park, you're wearing a pair of headphones, which are the behind-your-ear uh, loop type that uh, have a little strap that goes around the back of your head, and then the earphones kind of sit on top of your ears. Um, I kind of wanted to use my own headsets. I'm an audiovisual engineer. And I have a very nice set of headphones, a mini jack, so that I can plug into like a Walkman or whatever. And they're very comfortable. Um, wouldn't work on their headsets, on their system, because their receiver units that they give you are monaural. They're this mono, little mono plug. And it just wasn't compatible with a stereo headphone. Um, I, that would be a nice change is if they went with a stereo plug on the receiver so that you could use your own headphones if you wanted to. Uh, more of the point, it would also probably enhance the show a little bit if they were transmitting in stereo, and you could actually get some more stereophonic feel to the audio. That seemed to be the weakest, for me, the weakest part of the tour was the audio quality uh, that you were listening to. Obviously, the recordings of Walt are all old, and they're not of the greatest of quality to begin with. But some of the other stuff, I mean, they could enhance with background audio and stuff like that, and stereo would be better than mono. Um... But uh, other than that, it wasn't. It was. It's a pretty good system. The only other drawback to the system is that um, it has a limited uh, transmitter range. Uh, so if you get much more than maybe 15 to 20 feet away from the guide, you can't hear her. And it, there were points where it actually dropped out when you were about 15 feet away from her, depending on the crowd of people around her, because transmitter is not that powerful. So uh, you kind of had to stick kind of close by, not too far, not, not lag behind. There was one point where we were trying to get a picture of the um, Julie Andrews horse on the carousel, and uh, I was waiting with my friend so she could get a clear shot when there wasn't somebody sitting on the horse, and the tour started to walk away from us, and all of a sudden, boop, no audio, lost them completely. So now I had to look around and see where they, where'd they go, where'd they go. Fortunately, the guide has a little riding crop she carries with her, with a little uh, tag hanging from it, so you can kind of spot her in a crowd. Oh, there she is. So we could catch up and get back on the audio loop. But that was kind of one of the drawbacks. The system did have a limited range of broadcast. But other than that, I think the tour is well, well worth the money. It was very educational. Um, Didn't get to really go any behind-the-scenes areas other than Club 33's lobby, but it was still incredibly interesting, and uh, it was just a lot of fun. It was a good time. We had a great guide. And uh, all the cast members that we uh, were involved with on the different rides were all really top-notch. So it made for a very, very enjoyable uh, enjoyable tour. So that's my review of the Walt, the Walk in Walt's Footsteps Tour 
at Disneyland in California. Uh, thanks a lot, and uh, have a great day. Look forward to uh, listening to the future podcasts. Take care. Bye-bye. P.S. Stay out of the damn lakes.